This is a DMB Society podcast. I got a little sister named Jane. And this is the pod that Jane likes. And now, here are your hosts, Jeanette, Trisha, Matt, and Sean. Hey, everybody. Welcome back into the pod that Jane likes. As you have probably noticed on our social media, we uh, recently all got together. This is actually the first time we're recording in a room all together, all four of us. So hi, friends. Hi, Matt. Hi. Hey. Hi, Trisha. Hey, we're here. Hi, Sean. Hello. Hi. We're all here. We're all here in a room together. It feels crazy. The gang's here. Getting a lot done. Yeah, we're in beautiful Andover, Massachusetts. Matthew is hosting us. Home yeah. of champions. <laughs> Home of Home champions. Home of champions. <laughs> and um, we're just, you know, getting some bonding time in, talking business, talking about the future of the podcast. And and um, really what we want to do is dedicate this specific episode to our listeners. Um, you know, we could never imagine that we would have... Not only this many episodes, but this many listeners, this many followers, this much engagement. Um, we appreciate it so much. And so this episode, we really wanted to focus on questions that you might have for us. And we had an overwhelming response of questions turned in. So um, let's just get right to it. I'm going to start with a entry from Emily, our friend Emily, at Dancing Ants. Emily! And um, her question was, how to appropriately describe DMB's musical style in less than three words? This has always been the hardest question for me to answer when people ask. What kind of music do they play? So, uh, Matt, I'm going to throw it to you. Ooh. Well, <laughs> uh, I have a couple feelings on the matter. Uh, as everybody knows, I, <clears throat> I think that DMB has evolved and changed, and I think the height of the band, uh, you know, we're talking late 90s, early 2000s. You could call that music uh, uh, fusion, jazz, rock. That's how I would categorize it, even though there's a lot of other genres thrown in. But I think it's more of a progressive rock at this point with a little bit of jazz thrown in. So I would say, depending on what era you're talking about, I would have a different answer for each question. So you're saying progressive rock jazz. Yeah. Okay. Or progressive jazz rock. Or pro- progressive jazz rock. Yeah, either one works. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. One of the things that's fun about this topic is I think no matter what period of the band you're talking about, one, one thing that makes them so unique is the fact that they really have never been able to be pigeonholed into one specific category. So all of those different genres definitely – Uh, encapsulate what the band is and they've evolved and changed over time. But I think one of the things that's so appealing to so many people, especially when they came out in an era of music where grunge was kind of king, Mm -hmm. they are not that. They've never been that. And they've always just been this melting pot of all of these different sounds from all of these different genres. And, And in Dave's case, from a different country altogether, uh, so the, yeah. the backgrounds are really unique, and I personally think it's one of the, the really, really great aspects of this band, that they're not just one thing. Yeah, so it's not in your head, Emily. It's hard to describe yeah. this band. It really but if is. you were going to describe <laughs> But if you were going to. <laughs> Progressive jazz rock. Good answer. <laughs> All right, next question is from at Pat, Pat Robbery 
um, Patrick Stevens. And the question is, what are your guilty pleasure DMB songs? Songs that maybe the majority of the fan base doesn't like, but you love. And Patrick's is seven. And I, I, I could agree with that, Patrick. However, my guilty pleasure song is Cornbread. And base, yeah, if you could hear the reaction from my <laughs> podcast mates. They're not Cornbread fans. I am. It is my guilty pleasure. Dave Matthews Band song forever. It's a good question. I want to hear the boys' answers. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, a song that I think is one of the only songs that I really like that the rest of the pod has given me uh, some guff for. Uh, and that would be A Dream So Real. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I've realized that I'm like a big piano Dave person. Oh. And other than Out of My Hands, I don't really love Out of My Hands. But um, uh, I just think that that song has uh, – it's – it's it's got a lot of sort of melancholy, bluesy yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, feelings in there, and I I really like the um, the instrumental parts as well. Mm. <laughs> I think it's, there's something to be said for it also being included on DMB twenty five. I think that that oh. is it, yeah, you're right. You know, so somebody somewhere within the inner workings. Uh, must really enjoy that song as well. So maybe I'm not alone. Maybe you're not. <laughs> I think they open with it. That's why it was probably getting the reaction that I'm giving right now. Mm-hmm. So you're but saying that mid set it would be better? Before bed <laughs> as I'm falling asleep would be the best time to listen. <laughs> so spin off to the, to, I think Dream So Real is a fun song to talk about. If Dream So Real was to come back as a song that's been MIA for so long, would you feel any differently because it has been gone for so long? Are you are you out on the fact that it's an opener? Are you out on the fact that it had like its run and it's gone? Like is is I'm out. any? Yeah. Oh, you're just out. Okay. Sam, I I'm gonna take a nap. I think okay. there would be <laughs> hard outs. I think there There's would no, be no a room rarity. For I think there would be a rarity bias, like sure. for people. Like I'm sure that people are like, oh, gotta get a soundboard copy of that dream so real because mm. it was so good. You I know? don't. I, I think you're going a little too far. <laughs> Sean, what is yours? Yeah. So I I think it's um, I guess it it's it's a personal question. Like it. The song that I'm going to pick is is maybe a song that people like. I I don't know. I'm I'm going to be curious what the three of you think. But uh, if I had it all, is the song for me. Oh. Every day might not be my favorite album, and that song might be could probably use a little bit more polish in the studio. But uh, I've never heard. If I had it all live, it's a song that I've been chasing for a long time. Um, it's a great song. But yeah. overall, I, I just really dig it, and I and I don't necessarily think it it gets the credit that it maybe deserves. Mm. I love I love that song, and uh, I also really enjoy the version. I think we got a, a release of it where Dave goes into yes. yes, yeah, it's the West Palm Beach, yes. uh, West Palm Beach live tracks. Hold it exactly. is <laughs> so good. It's so yeah. good. It's a fantastic version. If you haven't heard that West Palm Live tracks, um, you definitely want to check it out. But the outro of that song is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Nice. I approve. I approve of this choice. <laughs> uh, Trish, what about you? I don't know. Guilty pleasure implies like there's like maybe not a good song out there, and they're all good. You know? <laughs> yeah. 
this is on brand. This answer. Yeah, this is good. This I would say yeah. I would say satellite. Like I actually oh, okay. really love satellite. Okay, that's oh, yeah. fine. That's, that's good. Fine. That's a good answer. I think that that's like a textbook definition yep. of guilty pleasure. Right. Yeah. I love it. I think it's sweet. Um, and that girl is you, of course. Mm. Which I don't think it's a guilty pleasure. I feel no guilt mm-hmm. when I hear that song, but. I don't. I, I. I. I'm with you on satellite. I, I yeah. think it's definitely one that people are like, "Oh, they're gonna play satellite again." But I. I oh, still I like enjoy it. it. Yeah. I think the funny thing about satellite is that there are definitely satellite fans typically in the house, and so half of the audience is like, so "The air was let out of the balloon," and the other half is, <laughs> yeah. "Oh my god!" So you hear this sort of like in between yeah, cheer so groan yeah. when when do do do, and everyone's like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> If I could make a recommendation, if you're going to go listen to Satellite, if you're listening to this episode and then you want to go, you know, scratch that itch, (laughs) go listen to Live Tracks 19. Okay. Um, It is an incredible Satellite. It's a little bit different, especially the back half of the song is just a little bit different. It's a song that obviously hasn't evolved that much if you, you know, Tim has been added and... You know, if you take that part out, the song has not changed much, but the back half of that song is a little bit different and it's awesome. awesome. It's a fantastic version. Nice. What year is that from? It's the live in re it's the live in Rio show. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, 2008. Okay. 2008. Rio. All right. Next question was given to us by at Chris Lorette. Big listener, big listener. We have our favorite intros and outros, but what is your favorite bridge in a DMB song? And this one we can debate for a while. We kind of when we were looking through the questions, we kind of had a pre conversation about this. Um, I'm going to ask Sean first what what you think, and I think we can we can discuss this as not just bridge, but what are your, what are your favorite intros and outros? Well, I'll take the bridge one first. Okay. Um, Have you seen it, by the way? I, I'm, Has I'm anyone seen it? Anybody found it? I'm looking for it. <laughs> okay. I've, I've been looking for you for decades at this point. I've been looking for the bridge. You should ask Stefan. Stefan, he's the, he's the gatekeeper to the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite bridge. There's a lot of great ones. Uh, the one in the conversations that we had prior to pushing record that I keep going back to, and it's really, it stems from the energy that this part of the song has when you see it in a live setting is Gray Street. Um, the build and the build of that song to the point where you get to, um, you know, the bridge and, and Dave, you know, singing about uh, kicking out all the windows. And it, it's just such an incredible part of every mm. live version of Gray Street, even even before the third verse came back. Mm-hmm. And I think for years and years, every time you'd hear Gray Street, even though you knew you weren't getting a third verse, like if you're there live, you hold out just like a little bit of hope. Mm-hmm. Now the third verse is back. We'll never forget that. Everyone should always cheer for the third verse. Yep. Yep. But besides that, um, that that bridge um, is is such like a, a high watermark of of that song. And it's, it's one that uh, there's just like a... a a real energy in, in the uh, venue when that part of the song gets played. Nice. I, uh, I keep going back to ants. I think the, uh, the whole bridge on ants with the, uh, you know, starting with the, the fast part, uh, all the way up to the end of the song, I I think is just quintessential DMB. Obviously it's probably their most popular song. And, uh, I just, I love it. I think it's, uh, it's got, it's got everything. Nice. It does have everything. You're right. Fantastic choice. 
Oh, I don't have it. I don't, don't I don't have, have an answer because like I just Trish is like, still looking for the bridge. Well, I'm just still looking for the bridge. I barely know what a bridge is. I'm not a music technician. I just feel stuff. So I'm going to think about this now as I listen to music. So thank you. I mean, that's good that, yeah. to say you feel it because that's yeah. how I feel about my answer. My answer is actually rooftop. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's a strange, probably strange to most of you because it's a newer song. But there's something about when I listen to Away From The World for the first time and rooftop came on when that bridge came on, there's something about the way it made me feel that I was like, oh, this is a good song. Yeah. Um, so that's that's my choice. What about... I know we're talking about bridges, but the beginning of this question made me think about our favorite intros. And mm. we discussed this at nauseum, but the heartbeat intro, right? Oh. I mean, that's where that's where we all kind of went when when asked that question. Yeah. Oh, heartbeat is is everything. And I would love to see it come back, although it wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't Roy. be the same without yeah. Roy. Um, but it is just the way that that opens up listener supported is, you know, listener supported, I think, for a lot of us was such a quintessential album and moment and um and all of that and the way that that album opens with the heartbeat intro is just awesome i would love every show to open like that i mean that's just so good please yes (laughs) if we could sign up for that yeah i I will take any and every opportunity to talk about to gush about how much i i loved what heartbeat intro was um that listener-supported version is uh, just remarkable. Mm-hmm. More recently, or at least in terms of recent releases, Live Tracks 57 actually has the first ever heartbeat intro. Um, so that that's another place that you can go find it. It's it's such a great piece. It's a great piece of music on its own, but it's also such a definitive piece of music for what DMB was in the late 1990s. Mm-hmm. Would you call would you call that uh, jazz fusion rock? I would. <laughs> yes, yes, I would. That's exactly what I would call it. Oh, jazz fusion rock. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and 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 the song itself is. Um, if you have not heard heartbeat intro, you should do yourself a favor and mm-hmm. go listen to it. Roy is a treat on heartbeat intro, and Dave's chords are kind of all based around what PNP is. Um, I, I love Heartbeat Intro. I want all of the Heartbeat Intros released. Uh, it is, it's it's a fantastic piece of music. I'm going to build on that. Um, instead of not just listening to it, go watch a video of it. Yes. Because, watch listeners supported. Yes, watch yes. listeners supported. Because the way that when, when Roy is wailing, the way that Carter and Dave look at him and then look at each other in oh, such admiration yeah. of Roy is just magical to see. And if nobody's ever seen that, it's something... I think that's what makes this band because they just all admire each other so much. Yeah, and and there's a quote. I I don't have it in front of me, but there's a quote that Dave once made about Roy where he he essentially said that Roy has this ability to say so much with so little. Mm -hmm. And Heartbeat Intro is that. It's it's Roy saying so much, having such an enormous presence and being such a significant piece of what made this band what it is – a heartbeat intro is that it's it's Roy. He kind of seam, seamlessly goes from being a background part of that song to being front and center. And yeah, you know, I I've never got to see a heartbeat intro live, but I can't imagine that at, at the height at the climax of that song that anybody is sitting because it's so powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I love heartbeat intro. <laughs> Awesome, awesome answers. Can I put one more uh, intro that I think can. deserves? Uh, no, you can't. Everybody yeah, loves no. heartbeat. That's it. That's it. 
You already answered. <laughs> okay, the typical situation oh. intro. I don't know what what you would call it. You know, the, it, like the one from the like early nineties. Uh, the one it? from like mid to late nineties. I think it was on. I think the where the second warehouse disc is my favorite version. It's like it paints this picture of this woman in a kitchen alone by herself. The lyrics are something about that, and then and she realizes that it all comes down to nothing, mm. and then it go, oh. and then it kicks in. Um, oh. I've always loved that deep cuts, and uh, I don't know how many times how many times it was played. That's the version I remember is on one of the warehouse discs, but um, I felt like it needed a mention. I love I love this question. Um, I think we can have an entire episode talking about. There's so much that comes to mind when I think of intros and outros to. Um, you know, that super famous 420 version of 41 with Bella Fleck, where mm -hmm. Dave has the outro where he's talking about going to space and mm -hmm. finding the greatest yes. man in the universe. Um, so that comes to mind. I would be remiss to not mention how much I love and how much I miss the One Sweet World intro. Oh. Mm -hmm. It's such a fantastic piece of music. Um, there, there's so much, I have so many thoughts and opinions on this topic, but- We really need to do an episode of that, because uh, yeah, the more I do. think about it yeah. as well, there are there are a lot of one-offs, there are a lot of weird ones too. Like if you remember for a while, I think it was like early 2000s, 41 was, there was like a weird everyday outro. Mm -hmm. It was, yes. Um, think about intros or outros that have become other songs. Like for example, Bartender was an intro to Don't Drink the Water, and now it's Bartender. Mm -hmm. The mean, YAM came from The Older yeah. Hill. The Older Hill, yeah. right, right. Yeah. All right, we got an episode out of it's this. A great, it's a yeah. great, it's a great question. Topic. Stay tuned. We could, I could go hours on this, but. And know, I'll know what a bridge is off. by that episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question is brought to us by at Turkfifth, um, which is, I'm probably saying that wrong, Terrence Pfeiffer. Um, Trisha. Oh. This is, I'm throwing this to you and you'll see why. If you had to pick one cover song for the archives or current lineup to put into regular rotation, what would it be? I'm guessing you're not going to say Fool in the Rain. No. no I'm not going <laughs> to say Fool in the Rain. You know, I don't know, but because every song is great except mm -hmm. for Fool in the Rain. But I would say um, he's playing Take Me to Tomorrow a lot. And I mm -hmm. really like when he plays that. So I hope that that comes back. He played it okay. in Mexico. Yeah. And he played it on a, um, I don't know, some special recently mm -hmm. on TV on Late Night. And I would like to see that more. That's probably, you know, I'm on the spot. I'd have to look at a list. But I would say that's what's coming to mind. Somebody has a better answer to this here. <laughs> I mean, okay, mine would be, I would like to see Burning Down the House come back. Oh, yeah. Because mm. I'm a huge Talking Heads fan, and it's very, that song's very nostalgic for me, so that was a huge pick-me-up when they started, when they started uh, covering that. So I would, I think they kill it. I would like to hear it again. Covers are fun because I think more than anything, it brings out what the influences are of this band. Um, and, you know, we have talked on air and off air and, um, it, it kind of gets brought back into conversation all the time as I think it should be what has influenced, uh, the band, or if you just want to talk about Dave as the writer of a lot of the music, what his influences were. And I think so many of his influences are things that we see in covers. So, you know, if you're talking about Peter Gabriel, Peter Gabriel or the talking heads or, um, you know, you, the, the list goes on and on about all of these individuals or bands who have influenced 
the music that now we consume, um, you know, so regularly. So I, I think the idea of bringing back some of these songs um, is kind of a, a hat tip to all of all of the influences that have led us to where we're at. I was uh, I spot on, Sean. I think that that is a great take. Um, I'm going to take it a step further, and my vote would be for any of the Paul Simon covers to come. Yeah, Spe- speaking of influences, yeah, yeah. Uh, me and Julio. I also really love "Slip Sliding Away." Yeah, which they did during two sets quite a bit. Loved that. I think ultimately that would that would be my pick. All right. Next question is brought to us by T Stover 2012, which is Thomas Stovery. Um, is there a song that you haven't heard live either ever? Or in a really long time, like what is your white whale song? Um, and his is "I'll Back You Up." Thomas is "I'll Back You Up." Um, I would say I've said this numerous times on this podcast that the only the only box that has not been checked is "Let You Down," and so that is my white whale song. I believe it's probably Matt's as yep, well. That's right, hundred percent. What about you, Sean? Well, I also like. Uh, most people, um, I haven't heard "Let You Down," so you know you can count me in that camp as well. Um, I have not heard uh, "If I Had It All," which we talked about a little bit earlier, so that's on the list for me. But of of the handful of songs that I have not heard, the song that I like the most, and I just keep missing it time after time after time, I seem to keep missing it. Is what you are. I've yeah. never heard oh, what you are live. Man, I'm sorry I knew about you were that. Gonna say that. And I love what you are. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you the number of times that uh, I've been queued up, ready to go to a show, and the night before, what you are gets busted <laughs> out. Uh, and you know the the odds of you getting it back to back nights are not great. So it's it's a very uh, I'm excited for the people who are there, but it's also like a deflating thing personally. Yeah. So it's what you are for me. There there's so many versions of this song that. Um, I love and I revisit uh, time and time and time again. Um, and one of these days, that streak's going to be broken. Yes, it will. I'm going with alligator pie. Like, give me some alligator pie. I think that'd be so fun live. I don't. I think. It'd Have you be, ever seen it live? Uh, no. Well, I think okay. it'd be hard to play. To be honest, it feels like a hard song to play and sing. But I'd love to hear it. That's a good one. Thanks. It's a good song. <laughs> All right, next question um, came from at Elias of the East, Eli Handler. What is your personal favorite song and what live version of it do you think is the best one overall? Sean, I'm going to throw it to you for that one. So for me, uh, and and this this might be a um, uh, low-hanging fruit for some people, but uh, 41 is my favorite song. It always has been. Um, it's a song that, the studio version of 41 is what brought me into the band. Uh, we talked earlier about summarizing what the Dave Matthews band is, and I'll never, ever forget the first time that I heard 41. It, it, it just is not like anything else that I had heard at the time. It was so different. It was so unique. It had all of these different elements uh, that I just wasn't expecting. And one thing led to another, um, and it's kind of put me into the position that I'm in now. So 41, <laughs> for better or for worse. You can, th- you for can better or for number worse. 41 for <laughs> all of that. So it, it's 41, but um, specifically, if I'm picking one version, um, it, it's going to be that um, April 20th version of 41 with Bella Fleck in Ottawa. Um, just, you know, any, for me personally, 
Bella Fleck and the Flecktone 41s are the high water mark of that song for me. I love what they bring to that song. That particular version, in terms of the length of it, it you know, you're, you're kind of getting more than one song. Um, but that version is so fantastic. And it kind of uh, pulls elements from some of these other questions that we've had, because it has that amazing outro that I love so much. Um, that band complements DMB so fantastically. I could go on and on and on about that April 20th version of 41. It is my favorite. Matt, is it your favorite too? Well, I mean, yes. <laughs> my favorite song in the world is number 41 also. Um, and I would definitely go with that. But to be a little bit different. Okay, okay. Uh, uh, my, I think my favorite piece of music to hear live, which I think it's my favorite now because I haven't heard it in forever, is the full version of Last Stop. Um, which I have not heard since 2010. Mm. Um, it's only been played a handful of times since then with without being truncated. I did hear it in 2019 at West Palm without the ending, which was just and what's dumb. the ending? Do you it's mean? just dumb? What the the outro of the, the song. Outro. Yeah. Um, where they just cut it, where they say, This is the last stop, boom, oh, and, and then the song it. ended. And they don't go into right. the- the most gorgeous yeah. outro ever. Yeah. So that that's my favorite piece of music, honestly, I think, from from the band in general. Um, Wrigley 2010, I was there night two when they played it, mm-hmm. and it was like the roof blew off the place. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's been the case. Like when they played it in Charlottesville, um, it's become such a rarity in that full, you know, in, its, in all its glory that people really um, go wild for it. But I think my favorite version of that song is Live Tracks 1 with mm. Bella Fleck. Um, there is uh, something about it that's just, I, I believe it ends the show mm-hmm. also. And it's just, I love when a show ends on a quiet note mm-hmm. and they just sort of like let that, the whole piece of music right. just fade out. And I just love it. So well, we have a theme here on our favorite songs um, and their live versions because mine also features Bella Fleck and it's Liner Graves. Well, Bella Fleck know. is a Pod the Jane Likes Hall of Fame. Oh, that's first, right. The only member. The only member. The only member of the Hall of Fame. This, this, yes. like, this, I think this tracks. solidifies. This yeah. tracks. Yeah. It solidifies the whole reason that Please come back to us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Please come back. Right. It's been since I saw when I was in Mexico the first time. Yeah. Bella guested. What year was that? Uh, that was 2018. Yeah. That's, that was his last performance. He was supposed to he was supposed to um, open at the Gorge in 2020, but then right. it got canceled. Yeah. But yeah, I, I remember being like, I'm going to get that Lionel Graves with Bella. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. But um, my favorite version of that song features Bella. It's from Live Track 7. It's a New Year's Eve show, December 31st, 1996, I want to say, right? Wow. It was going into 96 or, or leaving 1995. <laughs> I don't know. It's one of those years. but um, the, mid, the mid-90s. Yeah, it's by far... My favorite version ever. Bella yeah. just plays the most beautiful banjo I've ever heard in my life. And we all know how Jeanette feels about a banjo. We all know how to feel about a banjo. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great one. Uh, favorite songs, Proudest Monkey. And uh, you know me. I don't know live versions of anything. I couldn't tell you. But <laughs> I would say the studio would never get better than the studio mm. because of Leroy. So any version out there with Leroy. And I was always, I always thought... It would be hard to replace what Leroy does in Proudest Monkey, but I think Tim does a great job, actually, on the guitar during Proudest Monkey. I think he likes it. I think he's feeling it. 
Um, and so anytime it's played, it just throws me back to the song that brought me in uh, to the band because of that Leroy and Carter back and forth instrumental um, is so good. So that's my answer. Proudest Monkey is a vibe. Yeah, sure is. It is a vibe. Okay, next question um, from at Teddy Chai Dog, Teddy Slamka. What song, when it came out, were you surprised didn't become a bigger hit with fans? Belly Belly Nice to Me is one. That's actually, yeah, that's a good one because that's a quintessential Dave Matthews Band song if you really listen to it. Oh, yeah. um, Matt, what do you think? Uh, I don't want to steal anybody else's answer, but uh, I think it's a fairly um, universal belief that Drunken Soldier sure. was supposed to be a lot more than it was. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think that there's a lot of question marks for me with Away From The World. Absolutely. I was just going to say, you can kind of say that about the whole album. Yeah. And why it's, you know, what happened there. Right. Right. Um, like why it's not played. Well, right. why it's not played and why, why, you know, why did the band beloved? go back and, yeah. and redo everything that Steve Lillywhite did? You know, there's a lot of questions that I have there about the album hmm. in general. So hmm. uh, Drunken Soldier, I think, should have been more... Could have been more. Uh, I think it peaked when the lovely ladies came back, and uh, you know it was. I don't think exactly what it what people had envisioned, and then I think it just got shelved. So, I mean, that would have been my answer too, which is interesting, and I think it probably would have been. Yeah, it would have been mine. That's Absolutely. crazy. We all would have had the same answer. Yeah, to that. yeah. It's yeah. It's it's a song that there was a lot of hype before anybody ever heard it. Right. Um. If if you remember, Stefan was kind of. Um, all over social media talking about the song before the album was released. And I think a lot of people at the time weren't necessarily sure if that song would be as good as it was being hyped up to be. I think it's a great song. I absolutely agree with what what uh, was said by everyone else. I wish it would come around more. Just for the sake of picking a different song, I'll go to the opposite end of the spectrum and pick a song that opens an album, or in this case, almost opens an album, I think back to the very first time that I ever heard, and it was just a little snippet. The band had released a video of bringing people into Mm -hmm. the studio in New Orleans. And I think of um, where I was and the feelings that I had the first time I heard Shake Me Like a Monkey. Mm -hmm. And that's a song that I had such high hopes for. Mm -hmm. Um, I was so excited when when that little clip came out and and I I was really anxious to see what that song would become live. the song has taken on a life of its own to some degree. It's a little bit different live than what it is in the studio. But I don't know if it's ever captured what that the vibe and the sound mm-hmm. in that recording session was. So I think my pick would be Drunken Soldier. But if, if I'm going to just pick something to be a little bit different, it's going to be Shake Me. Well, I think the whole Big Whiskey album for me, I mean, I, I love studio Big Whiskey uh, front to back. It's in my top three DMB albums. And I think that there are a lot of songs that, for whatever reason, do not translate live. Uh, the beginning of that album is incredible with, you know, Leroy had just passed away. This was his, you know, New Orleans celebration, jazz funeral. You know, that's what his the album line. is. His second line, yeah. right? Yeah. And so you have him kicking off the album with his instrumentals and then all of a sudden you start to hear Dave's voice like screaming yeah. over and over again. Wow, like wow, wow. And then yeah. and then the album just like kicks Whack. you oh, right yeah. in the face. Yep. And you're like, wow, this is incredible. And then in concert it's like I know there's no like build up to it when it starts. I think that's what it is. Like when we hear it live, it's just 
right into it. Like, there's not not this buildup that we're getting excited. Here comes Shake Me. Right. Exactly. Right. Imagine if they did something like that. Yes, though. they changed I've always it up. Imag- I've always they, dreamed like, this. You know, and they just yeah. like built up the energy, like yeah. as yes. like a, as dreams an dreams. as an intro. Oh, yeah. I had dreams like of them playing Roy over the over the intercom, and then like all of a sudden, uh, yeah. like just or a video of Roy, you know, and then like just like the lights come on and yeah, they're that would, there. Like that would be awesome. Some production. That would be awesome. Yes. Then I would. Yeah. That I would. Uh, I would be so into that yeah, now that absolutely. I think about it. Now that I think about it, Spack Night you 2. You get the band on the horn here. Spack Night 2 2021 was like one of the best set lists ever. And then they ended yeah. with Shake Me. And like, it's like the air <laughs> was let out of the place. But if they had done something like that, can you imagine? Like, yeah. that would have been incredible. incredible. So if any of them are listening right now, yeah. you know, <laughs> Seriously. that would be great. All right. Next question comes to us from at some devil 27. What songs will be brought back from the grave this tour? Sean, what do you think? Okay, so my pick, I I don't even know if it's going to count as coming back from the grave because that would mean that it existed in a DMB world. That means it had a life and died. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But I'm going to throw this one out there because I just really want it to happen, and it's a song that has existed in the Dave and Friends format. It's a song that has been brought back as – one of those handful of songs that you can hear if you go see Dave and Tim in Mexico. But I I get really excited as to what Up and Away could be with this band, mm. with the band as is, with Buddy playing the role that he plays in this band. Uh, it's it's always been one of the songs, one of my favorite songs off of Some Devil. And it's a song that I I just time and time again go back to something that would translate so well to what DMB is in 2023. And the idea of getting to hear this band play that really excites me. That's a great one. Matt, you got one? I'd love to hear that. Oh, you know, there, there are so many, you know, you know how I feel about so many things being shelved. Like, why do we have to listen to Sledgehammer again when like Kit Kat Jam hasn't been played for, Mm -hmm. you know, a long time. So, I've been I've been hoping for Kit Kat Jam or a full last stop. Either of those would be great. Like That's imagine it, yeah. imagine we're standing there at the Woodlands, and all of a sudden like they open with Kit Kat Jam I'll or die. they open or they open with Last Stop. Like can you imagine? Yeah. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. Um, but I you know I have to temper my expectations. Mm, yeah. So um, I'll stick with Kit Kat Jam. I still I still think okay. that this band has talented enough to you know rip on that song. So. Well, I have a song that was played all the time, and for whatever reason, it seems to be in a grave. It shouldn't be in a grave. Crash. Yeah, you're right. Where right. the heck's Where Crash? Right. Crash Can somebody find Crash? <laughs> Has anyone seen Crash? <laughs> Probably hanging out with 41 right now. And the bridge. Yeah. And the bridge. <laughs> Bring back Crash. That's a good one. Crash into me, Dave. <laughs> Mine, I mean, these are all pretty realistic. Maybe Kick at Jam, not so much. Well, but um, I think mine would be JTR. It hasn't yeah. been that many years, right? I feel like that's a something that gets whipped out every once in a while. Well, everyone, everyone, I love it. The chatter in the parking lot when there's like a rain. Just because like one drop falls playing bro, JTR tonight, bro. <laughs> he's gonna open with JTR tonight, dude. It's gonna be sick. Like that happens. You overhear that so yeah. often. You're like, yeah. guys, please, like. I know, but then it poured in Dallas one year, and they played it because of that. So you never know. Bro, were you in Dallas at that show? <laughs> Rain and his GTR. It was amazing. Oh, that's a good one. All right, a few more questions to go. This one is from a longtime listener, friend of the pod, Jill. Hi, Jill. Um, 
if you could pick one show that you could go back to, what would it be? Um, I'm taking this one off right off. And you guys can probably guess which one it, I'm going to say, but it's definitely Central Park. Yeah. I don't know of an, another any other magical day in my life besides, like, you know, maybe having my children and getting married. But, like, you know, <laughs> Central Park's, like, right up there with those things. Um, I don't even – like, everything else in my whole span of touring has been, like, a moment here, a moment there. But – Central Park from the minute I left work early to get on the bus, to get into the city, to get on the subway, to get in line. Mm. Everything was just so perfect from beginning to end, from even leaving the park that night. So I I just, I remember it like, I remember it like it was yesterday, even though it was, I don't know how many years ago now. Um, but yeah, I would go back there in a second. Great pick. I'm going to swing through and say uh, <laughs> uh, that... There are some times when you're at a show that you don't realize what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't realize like how special a night it is. And uh, especially, you know, I, I listened to a lot of the the band live, but it wasn't as accessible as it is now. Like internet speeds aren't what they are. You know, like sometimes uh, you wouldn't be able to download like the whole tour. You might get like, you know, a couple songs here, a couple songs there. Or you could like really stick it out and try to find a tape or pull from whatever show you were at. So uh, I was at 4702, which is was at the Fleet Center in Boston. And it's a famous show for a couple of reasons. It was the, uh, the debut of You Never Know. And mm-hmm. it is also the epic bartender, the quintessential bartender wow. that has been, I think it was on DMB25. DMB yep. And... I remember going to that show and I was like, you know, this was amazing. So glad I got to see, you know, at that point it was probably like my 10th show or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that was really incredible, et cetera. I can't wait for tomorrow night. It was the first night of a two night stand. Mm-hmm. And going back, like I would love to go back to attend that show again right. and realize like what I was seeing in terms of both of those both of those things but also you know it was the original you know my favorite version of the band i love you know the early 2000s stuff and um that's what i would say that's what i would say for me i'm going to go back to the beginning of me attending shows 62306 was my first show in hershey um i'd been a fan of of the band for a number of years and and just had never gotten around to see them so that all changed in June of 06. Uh, and, and you know, I, I think kind of the reoccurring theme with this question is not really knowing what you were witnessing. So the shows that Matt picked and the show that Jeanette picked, these are all-time legendary DMB shows, uh, as they should be. My show isn't necessarily that, but on a personal note, uh, it was just such an impactful thing for me. Um, and when I look back on that show, and thankfully a couple of years ago it was released on DMB radio, so... Now I have that as a keepsake from that night. Um, but a best of what's around opener, pig into mm-hmm. say goodbye, just an unreal start to the show. O- obviously, I had no idea what was ahead of me in terms of following this band. Um, more short term, I had no idea how lucky I was to to get to see uh, the original band members together playing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so those are kind of things that you take for granted, and I'm as guilty as anybody. Um, but when I've gone back and listened to that recording, it instantly puts me back. I could, I could picture where I was sitting. Um, and it just kind of changed everything for me. It changed music for me. It changed, um, 
you know, my, my outlook on this one band in particular, and, and obviously all of the shows and recordings and, and following of the band that, um, followed, but it, it, it was just a really impactful night for me. Uh, I'm going back to SPAC in 2001 to hear that seek up again. Cause it shook me to my core and I would do anything to hear that one, that version again. That's it. That's simple. Take me back there. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. All right. Last but not least. Last but not least. We talk about this a lot. Um, but we have a question from at Mongo7640, Keith Lucha. What will become of us when the band retires? Oh. I'll start us off with this one. Because I think about this all the time. I don't want to exist on the earth if they're not touring. So I worry about this often, and I have asked my podcast co-hosts this often, and they have assured me I'll never have to go on without some version of the band playing. So what will become of us? We won't have to worry about it, apparently. I mean, you do ask us this, like, (laughs) at least once a week. Like, we have to talk you off the ledge and say, don't worry about it. Which is weird, because it means you're not actually listening to what we're saying, (laughs) because you You keep keep asking. asking. (laughs) I'm just worried about it, you know? I'm worried. So don't worry. Well, I mean, I think that uh, as long as we've talked about this on here before, but as long as Dave is breathing uh, and maybe even later, (laughs) he is going to play shows. We can have Bernie's. Um, You know, I think about Willie Nelson in his 90s right now. You know, he's still touring. He basically is brought out. You know, he sits on a he sits on a chair and plays his guitar that looks like it's about to fall apart or has already fallen apart. One Mm -hmm. of the two. And what I think is kind of interesting, um, and I think that this is also another conversation for another episode, but what does the band look like when members decide or uh, are unable to perform anymore? You know, we've had some fill-ins that have been pretty incredible. You know, Jeff Coffin filling in for Leroy um, was something that I think he was the only person in the world who could have filled in for him. Um, Short of Branford Marsalis, but that's another story for another day. And (laughs) what's going to happen when, uh, you know, let's say Carter decides that he doesn't want to play anymore. And let's say, I don't even know if Carter... Carter's child is, or Carter's nephew is as good as Carter at the drums. But what if a Beaufort? Nobody's as good as Carter. What if a Beaufort <laughs> comes in and wants to play drums? And you know, how do we all feel about that? I recently saw Bruce Springsteen and Jay Clemens, who is the nephew of Clarence Clemens, plays saxophone in the E Street Band, and he's incredible. It's like there's a piece of Clarence in him, clearly. And uh, you know, I, I'm just so curious to see, you know, what, what happens, yeah. you know, and how many versions of the band there will be. But again, going back to what I was saying about Dave, you got it for another 20 gonna, years, guys. Let's hope. God hope. I just want to take one second to uh, go back to what Matt just brought up and how lucky we are that after the tragedy that was losing Leroy happened, that Jeff was able to join this band that we were able to bring in a person who not only was skilled, incredibly skilled at his craft, but somebody that was already really familiar with a lot of the music, somebody that had performed with this band a number of times, and then somebody who came onto the scene and was able to um, be respectful to what Roy created and then also bring his own Mm -hmm. flavor and his own style. And, um, 
you know, I would like more of that. Uh, I, I would like more Jeff, please. Uh, I would like more, you know, featuring of that that saxophone sound that I love so much about this band. More jazz fusion rock. More jazz bring it, bring fusion rock. Yeah. 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 But we're, we're just really lucky. If you look at, um, you know, anything, anybody else that, uh, or any other instrument that is featured in this band, it's tragic what happened. You know, Roy's memory and his music will live on forever. But the fact that Jeff was able to kind of fill in that role uh, he, right he, away, too. Yeah, he, w- he was the perfect the perfect person existed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we're just really lucky, I think, as a fan base that that person was out there and was able to, to kind of step right in, hit the ground running, and all of these years later, mm-hmm. we have that sound. Yeah, yeah this question reminds me of um, something. People always say, don't fall in love with a band because it'll break your heart over and over again. And if this band has done anything, I mean, we lost Roy. Right. We've lost Boyd um, in a different way, but, you know, um, the the thing about that, though, is we could reverse it and say, you know, yeah, they'll break your heart, but we'll always have the music. We'll always have, we follow a band that, that we can probably listen to any show ever mm-hmm. in existence yep. again. Yep. And um, that's something that that's not amazing. other bands have. That's true. So, yeah. Oh, well, I love this band. Me know? too. <laughs> Let's go see them. <laughs> Let's have a podcast about it. How many days till we go see them? I mean, a tour will be here before we know it, guys. A tour, a new album. Yeah. Um, you know, we're we're really excited. Lots of things happening with the pod that Jane likes. Um, we're kind of in the process of corralling all of the ideas, and we're just really excited for. Yeah. The tour, the new album, and then on a more specific uh, note, what what's next for the pod? We're uh, yeah. lots lots coming your way soon. Yeah. Um, well, guys, this has been fun. This was fun. Yeah, first what ever in person recording. Yes, and first ever pod that Jane likes retreat. Yes. I had a good time, guys. I had a great time, yep. and we can't wait to see you on the road so soon, everyone. So soon. Counting down the days. Can't wait. Anybody else have any final thoughts? No? I'll take that as a no. <laughs> Thanks for the questions, everyone. Yes, it's thank you said. so much. It's, it's all been said. said. What would a cowboy say? You know, like, we're heading to Texas. This, so, yeah, you know. yeehaw. Yeah, yeehaw. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. See you on the road. Yeehaw. Bye. <laughs>